today we are continuing our series, uh, Semper Fi, which uh, simply means always faithful. And we are taking a look today at God's always faithful love that he has towards his people. And uh, so if you have your Bible and you'd like to go and get a head start in looking at the passage of Scripture we'll be looking at today, we're going to be looking in Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22. Now some of you are thinking, is that even a book in the Bible? Uh, it actually is. And so uh, if you want to, you can, you can turn there. You just go to the middle of your Bible and hang a right. You're going to go past the book of Psalms and Proverbs, and you're going to get past Jeremiah, and then you're going to run into Lamentations. And so Lamentations chapter 3. So while you're maybe looking that up, <clears throat> I'll tell you a story. There was, uh, in 1988, there was an Armenian father named Samuel. And uh, he was taking his son to school. He dropped him off at the school. And he told his son, very simply, he said, Son, I want you to know that I love you. And remember, I will always be there for you. Well, he went back home. Several hours later, there was a massive earthquake in Armenia. And it just devastated pretty much the entire country. And so this dad got into his car. He rushed back to the school. When he got there, that elementary school was, I mean, it was in shambles. And he ran back to the area where his son's home room was, and there was just brick on brick stacked up, just that it had all fallen over. And so the dad immediately began to dig, and he was trying to find his son, and he's digging out the bricks. And after a while, I've been digging all night, people began to come by and tell him, so there's no use. There's no hope for your boys, and you need to give up. And people were placing flowers as memorials there. But the dad dug all through the night, and he dug through the next day. And as he continued to dig, he heard a voice. And it was a voice of his boy saying, Dad, Dad. He reached down, he was able to grab his son, and his son told his father. He said, I hung on because you told me you'd always be here for me. Now, as great of a story as that is about the faithfulness of a father, my hope today is that you are going to see that there is a father, a heavenly father, who is even more faithful than this dad that we just talked about. See, we're continuing our series of Always Faithful, and we're going to see today that our God is a God who is always faithful in the love that he has for his people. Now, where do we come up with this? Well, we come up with it from our text today. In our scripture, there was a prophet, his name was Jeremiah, and he was writing or talking to the Hebrew people because they were living in Babylonian captivity. And the reason why they were in captivity yet again is because they'd been disobedient to God, and God judged the people. And now Jeremiah was telling the people, even though you're going through this experience right now, I want you to know that God loves you. That God is still there for you, even in the midst of your disobedience. And I believe there are some of us, and and we can look at our lives right now, and and you might feel as though your life is in rubble, that, that you are covered up with stones and hurts and scars in your life. But the same message that Jeremiah gave to these people is a message that is applicable for us today. And that is that God still loves us. And there's scripture that backs this up, talking about the faithful love of God. Exodus 34, 6 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God 
keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. Now the point that's being driven, driven home here is God loves us. And so that's what we're going to see today in our text in Lamentations 3, 22. Now, this book has a, a, a kind of a, a different title. Uh, most of the books of the Bible that you read, they're typically named after people. You know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or they're named after events that have taken place. You know, the book of Exodus talks about the Hebrew people exiting uh, Egyptian captivity. Well, this book is called Lamentations. And you automatically know from the title that this is going to be a real fun book to read. Right? You know, Lamentations. It's not like you say, man, I really need me, uh, pick me up, and so let's just turn to the book of Lamentations and everything will be great. Uh, this is a tough book. It was written by Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was lamenting the fact that the Hebrew people have been disobedient to God again. And he's like, yeah, man, this is awful. Here we are again. And we are in captivity yet again. It's interesting. If you look at the life of Jeremiah and his ministry, he wrote, you know, he's in the book Jeremiah. Uh, God called Jeremiah to preach a message of judgment. And Jeremiah did it for 40 years. How would y'all like to come to church every Sunday for 40 years and listen to me ream you out every week? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, that would just be, you'd be like, man, this is, this is so much fun. Well, that is the mission that God gave Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was obedient. He said, guys, if you don't repent... If you keep living like this, God's going to judge. That's exactly what God did. And the Babylonian people came in. They took them as captive. And yet, even in the midst of all this, then God gave Jeremiah a new word. He said, but I want you to tell the people that even in the midst of the rubble of their lives, you tell those people I love them. Now, is that love going to make a difference? Well, we're going to see. And I just want us to see today some benefits that come from God's faithful love. And it still applies to us today. very first benefit I want you to see of God's faithful love is God's love gives life. And it really does. Uh, if you look in verse number, uh, chapter 22, or chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. And this had to be a strange statement coming from Jeremiah for the people, because they're in captivity. And Jeremiah's telling them, God is faithful to you. I know you're in prison right now, but God loves you. And God cares about you. And the people had to be thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You're telling me God loves me, and yet we've been kicked out of our homeland? If God loves me so much, why am I a refugee? You know, if that's the way that God loves me, I don't really think that I want much of his love anymore. And, and what I see here is as much as things change the more they stay the same the people if you read about them they they began to you know look back to the old days boy it was so good whenever we had our home our own homeland it was so good when our kids listened to us it was so good whenever whenever uh you know whenever we had we had a, a good economy and they just go through all these things and i look at that and i think man we are the exact same way the older i get the more i start telling my kids about you know the good old days you know, I remember whenever, you know, whenever, you know, we kids actually respected authority. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to sound like my parents. And so we look back to all these different things. We look back to the, to the good old days. And sometimes we begin to think, I think God's left us. Now things used to be so good, but where's God now? Well, what Jeremiah tells the people, it's not that 
that God has left us. It's that we have left God. And I'm becoming more and more aware of the fact that man, we live in a culture, gosh, where we are so self-centered. And we seek after our own aims and our own desires. And we find ourselves falling and delving into immorality because it's something we want. Because it's something that makes me feel good. And we're so self-centered, though, that we never say, but what does our Creator say? What does the God of Scripture say? You know, this whole idea of being abandoned by God has been, it's been going on for years. I mean, you look back in the, uh, in the book of Judges, and the Midianites were oppressing the people, and the people began to call out to God, the Hebrew people, God, rescue us! And this is really neat. God, so God sends a messenger to this man named Gideon. Have you all ever heard of Gideon before? The Old Testament, the book of Judges, Judges 6.12. And Gideon's hiding out. And Gideon's one of my favorite characters because, man, I'm like Gideon. You know, just a chicken. And so Gideon's hiding out, and the angel comes to Gideon. Here's what, here's what the angel tells Gideon. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Uh, this guy's hiding out. I just think that's great. Now, how does, how does Gideon respond? He says, please, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our fathers have told us about? In other words, if God's with us, then why is all this garbage around us? Why is all this stuff happening to us where, to where we are, you know, we're in bondage? And the answer is not that God left you. Not that God quit loving you, it's that you left God. And you quit loving Him. Let me try to, try to explain it this way. And we, we know this is true in every, in other areas of life. You know, if I spend all my, if you spend all your time eating donuts from the church every day for every meal that you have, and you wash it down with Mountain Dew, uh, is that gonna be good for your body? You know, after a period of time, it's gonna there's, it's gonna take a toll on you. It's gonna mess up your body. You're probably gonna gain some weight. Uh, you're probably gonna not feel all that well. Now, it's not that your body has betrayed you. It's that you betrayed your body by what you put in your body. And the same thing's true in my relationship with God. It's not that God has abandoned me. It's just I choose to put a lot of junk in my life that come from the Lord. And then I'm like, why isn't God blessing me? You know, why can't I run a marathon whenever I eat like garbage all the time? It's it's kind of crazy. And we begin to get frustrated at God. But here's the good news. Even in the midst of our moronic decisions, and I'm not necessarily talking about, I'm talking about I can speak for myself. In the midst of my moronic decisions, God loves me. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrated his own love towards us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God willingly gave his son to us that we might be reconciled to him. So without God's love, y'all, we are are doomed. And so God loves us because he wants us to follow his path. Why? Because his path, God's leadership, y'all know it, it leads to life. It leads to hope. That's why Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fill. God loves us. So the first benefit of God's faithful love is his love gives life. But there's something else I want you to see, and that is that God's love never runs dry. And I really like this one. 
Uh, Again, back in verse 22, it says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is a really impressive couple of verses. There's one word I want you to pay attention to. It says that the Lord's mercies never end. That word mercy, it means the kindness and goodness of God. We're being told God's goodness towards his people. How long does it last? What does our verse say? Forever. It says it never ends. It is a picture being painted of a fountain that is constantly flowing, that's constantly giving water. It never runs dry. Now, if you're speaking about water in the Middle East, let me tell you something. That's going to get people's attention. Water, fresh water, is a scarce commodity there. And so when you talk about water, people are like, we want it. We understand if we don't have it, we die. We understand that if we don't have fresh water, that that we can't go on. And so Jeremiah uses the picture of God's love towards us as being like a fountain of water that is constantly being given to us. It says his mercies to us are new every day, every morning. Every morning. That word is when it's talking about love in verse 22. That word love means loyal love. It's the kind of love a mother has for a child. Mothers, after your baby was born, and you had to change that baby's diaper day after day after day, did you ever get to a point where you said, you know what, I've changed this diaper 600 times, and I'm done? Did you ever look at your kid and say, you know, the kid's like three months old. You know what, you're on your own. I've shown you mercy time and time again. Good luck fixing your britches. That that does not happen. What does a mother do? The kid, what's his pants? His diaper. And she goes and she gets another diaper. And she puts it on that child again. Now, the goal, obviously, is to potty train him. But she does it over and over and over again. Every morning a mother's mercies are new guys in a similar sense as we mess ourselves day after day after day god's mercies towards us are new every day there does not come a time when god says i'm checking out this guy's life is a mess continually i give up on him god doesn't do this with us. You might say, well, how do you know he's never going to quit loving me? If you look again in verse 22, it says his mercies never end. That word mercy, is, it's, it's plural. It means it's limitless. There's not a cap on the mercy that God shows his people. Now, you can look at that, and there's some of you who might be really jaded in here today. Say, God's mercies are never ending. Why is there so much junk in this world today then? God's mercies are never ending. Why are, why are there children that have brain cancer? Why are there people overseas who can't even feed themselves? Why is my marriage falling apart? If God's mercies are new every morning, then why do I feel like garbage today? Now, folks, there's a couple of things I will say. First, I do believe this. First, I believe that there's a lot of times 
when the things we are dealing with in our lives, the garbage and the trash and the debris in our lives, it is self-inflicted many times and not God-induced. So let's don't blame God for everything. And I guess, okay, that sounds good, but what about whenever I haven't done anything and I'm suffering? What about that kid who is struggling and he's inflicted with disease and pain? Where's God's new mercy there? And I'm going to stand before you and be honest and tell you I don't have a nice, warm, fuzzy answer for you. But here's what I hang on to. And that is the Bible very simply tells me all throughout Scripture that God's mercies never end. It doesn't say his comforts never end. It's his mercy. And though there are times whenever I feel alone, there are times whenever we can feel abandoned, God's with us. And God says that he loves us. At this time, Jerusalem was in ruin. The people are in captivity. The people are crying out, where is God? Jeremiah said, God's mercies are new every morning. Seventy years later, the people were restored. Now I say, that all sounds nice and sweet, but how can I hang on to God's mercies when I don't see a whole lot of mercy in my life? Let me try to explain it to you like this, and I hope this makes sense. Every year during the Masters, 1986, or they always show the 1986 Masters tournament. Golf fans, y'all, who won the 1986 Masters? Yeah, Jack Nicholas. How old was he? 46. There's one golf fan over here. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, 46 years old. Now, they show it almost every year. And every year I watch it. Now, I already know who won, but I watch it sitting on the edge of my seat. Boy, I hope Nicholas pulls this one out. I mean, how stupid is this? Like, I've been watching it for 26 years. And he comes to hole 15. And what does he do on hole 15? He eagles it. He hits the shot. And after he hits the shot, I'm like, man, I hope he makes it. I, mean, I know he does. Hole 17, or yeah, hole 16, he birdies. Hole 17, he birdies. He pars the last hole. He wins by one stroke. And I jump up and down. Where'd he go, Nicholas? 26 years later. I already know who wins. The guys in life, there's a lot of ups and downs in life. And I want to be able to view my life and view your life and view the life of this church like I view that stupid 1986 Masters Tournament where I go through the ups and downs and yet I have confidence that even in the midst of the ups and downs that I know God wins regardless of the junk I have in my life that I just hang on to. God wins. The Bible says he wins, so I'm going to trust that he wins, and I'm going to trust that his mercies never end. Man, there are benefits that come with the faithful love of God. God's love gives life. God's love never runs dry. So last thing I want you to see. God's love is sufficient. Now look in verse 24. It says, I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Who is, who is the portion, according to Scripture? Who is the one who provides? It says the Lord. The Lord is my portion. What kind of portion does God have? 
Guys, he's got a big portion. He's got a portion bigger than anything you and I could ever earn, attain, or dream of on our own. And yet there came a time when the people in our text, then they, didn't, they didn't want his portion because they didn't think it'd be enough. Uh, we're told about this in Jeremiah 2.8. It says, the priest quit asking, where's the Lord? The expert in the law no longer knew me. The rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. And logically, you look at that and think, how could they ever get to that point where they said, we need more than God? I mean, you remember what God had already done for these people? They had a history of God moving in their lives. We talked about it last week. They had a history of God performing miracles, splitting open the Red Sea, sending plagues to protect his people. They saw this stuff. And yet they come here and they're like, ah, we need a little bit more. I don't think God's going to be enough for me. And Jeremiah said, the Lord, he is my portion. In other words, he's, what, what belongs to God belongs to me. We're told in Ephesians 1.11, in him we were also made his inheritance. What do we, what do we inherit from God? And what does God, what does God provide those who follow him? And just, you know, I mean, I know this sounds, can sound trite, but guys, it's true. The love, that's pretty good. Joy, hope. I mean, think about hope. It's, it's easy not to really rely much on hope when we're younger and everything's kind of, everything's kind of just cruising right along in life. But then, eventually, if you haven't hit it yet, I'm here to be the good news guy for you. If you haven't hit the wall yet, and haven't slammed into the, you know, to the, the junk of life, you're going to. And it's going to be a blast. All right, now whenever that stuff happens, you need the Lord's portion. Where we, man, where we make mistakes is where we say, I think if I seek after this instead of him, that'll be enough. It's like settling for fast food instead of the real thing. Uh, Emily and I just celebrated our 20th anniversary this summer. We were given a gift certificate to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. 1123, and you're thinking, that sounds like a good deal. Now, we're given uh, that, that gift certificate there, but, and so I made reservations there after we made reservations. Do you think when we were getting ready to go down there that I looked over at Emily and said, you know, instead of going to Ruth's Chris, why don't we swing by Subway, and I can get a spicy Italian? I, I didn't say that. Uh, you know, Emily didn't look at me and say, you're not going to believe this, but the McRib is back. You know, I mean, she didn't do that. Now, if we had, if we had settled for the McRib instead of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, you'd say that is absolutely moronic. Why would you settle for fast food instead of settling for great food? Well, the same thing applies in our relationship with God. Why in the world would we settle for anything other than the portion of God? And, and grab onto the things of, of this world. Yeah, we, and we do it all the time. And then we wonder, why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel so depressed and disappointed in life? Because God's, if God's not your portion, then you're never going to be satisfied. Now, is it easy to, to seek after the leadership of God? Well, no, it's, it's not easy. I mean, the world constantly throws junk food at us. You know, junk food, it's good, right? 
it's kind of it's fun to eat. I don't know why, but man, it's 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 hard to it's hard to to pass up on you know pork rinds and uh, you know potato chips when they come by, and, and we we end up spoiling. We go after junk food, but y'all, it is short lived concerning how it satisfies us. See, the things that God can give us are lasting. The things of this world, they provide a quick high, but then they dissipate. And it's over. Now, I understand this life is not easy. There's a bunch of junk that flies into our faces all of the time. And some of us have become buried by it. The people that are being written to today, they have been buried by life circumstances, by bad choices. But Jeremiah came to them and said, God loves you. And he always will. And I want you to know that God loves you. And he always will. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God loves you. What are the benefits of his love? His love gives life. His love, his love never runs dry, and his love is sufficient. That's all you need. 